What do you want? To tell you that your friends are dead. Bullshit. Believe what you want. It matters not to me, but I can tell that your friend, Tom, is having a bit of a crisis of faith, wouldn't you say? I look over to Tom. Why are you here? I have been imprisoned for so long. Isn't it a bit of fun all we've ever wanted from the world? Are you here to kill us, or are you here to converse with us? That depends... On... You. Well, I'm not interested in dying just yet, so... Care to take a seat? We didn't do nothing to you. I don't know what the hell's going on. Ignis, Ignis, Ignis. You have done things to me. You have foiled so many things. And really, it's almost a shame I will have to eventually kill you, should you not accept the bargain. I'm listening. It's the same as it always was. Leave. Come back in about 12 days, and we will strike a new accord. We just did leave. We've come back, and you've informed us that our friends are dead. And that's some motivation. They weren't agreeable to the bargain. Alright. We know that you've got us beat if you really want to. So, just tell us we've got to leave for 12 days. And then people will stop dying. Is that right? No. That is not right. You will not die. I require blood in order to fuel the bargain. Well, I mean, I can kill some people for you, just depending on who it is. <laughs> A shrewd offer, Ignis, but I do so enjoy doing it myself. Tell me why you haven't simply killed us along with the others. If you join me, and I think once you see the exact parameters of a bargain that are almost limitless, you will end your power to mine. I almost might be willing to consider the proposition if you could answer some of my questions, which you so astutely observed. He walks over and uh, he flips over one of the buckets that you guys have sitting around uh, the area and he sits down on it next to the fire and rubs his hands a little bit and seems to kind of warm them by it <clears throat> which is kind of an <laughs> odd thing for him to do but all four of them well no he's uh, he's in a human form it's just his shadow that uh, has four arms oh <clears throat> Ernie tell me all you know about him do you really want to know? More than anything at this point. Ernie is dead. There is no more Ernest Valentine. There is a baleful spirit that rules over the only plane that's left. I don't know what that means. Can you tell me anything about this spirit? 
There is a lot that I could tell you, Tom. How do I know that you're not just trying to extract information only to refuse the bargain? You yourself perceived that I am very uncertain about things right now. And if the things that you say are true, then you also know that I am a bit ignorant in all the things I've learned throughout my life. I suppose there's a possibility of me looking for a new goal in life to pursue, or a new master. This is quite the change of heart. Yes, well, it's been an interesting few days. Right. And he looks over at you, Igmit, and says, What do you think, Igmit? Tom's face is his business. I just... I just don't want to die, and I don't want to see any of my friends die. Beyond that, I really have no loyalties. Interesting. Very, very interesting. Well, if you're not going to kill us, we will be returning to Fillmore's Crossing in the morning, and if you haven't killed our friends, as you say, then... We'll see what happens. If you have killed them, well, at least you've demonstrated some honesty. You're not going to take the bargain, are you? Tom smiles. No. Well, we no. Mm, 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 Tom. Mm, <laughs> mm, mm. We can't say unless we really know what the bargain is. Let me complete my work. But I know you cannot. It really is a shame. It really is. And he stands up and steps into the center of your campfire and moves his hands a little bit and the fire flares up and he disappears. But you see that the fire is still roaring and crackling and it's probably 10 feet tall at this point. And you see that the fire is starting to anthropomorphize, where it's like starting to develop arms and legs, and it's growing taller and getting wider, and these flames are getting much, much hotter. Like, you guys can feel the heat on your flesh as this is growing. And it takes another few seconds before you realize that the tip where these flames are flickering the most is sort of like a head-like area. And the flames are so hot that in the center mass of it, uh, like its torso type area, it is white hot, like almost blinding. Like Tom, you could put on your sunglasses right now and it's dark out and it would be absolutely fine. This is so bright. And that is where we're going to end this session today.
All right, Igmet. So I would think that at this point you're probably standing up. Um, you're, what, 15 feet away from the fire, so uh, you would be roughly 15 feet away from this fire elemental. You can see that this thing has on this kind of almost obsidian-looking armor, and it's carrying these these scimitars that, that has fire sort of... Um, running up and down them and sort of melding with the with the weapons themselves and while it definitely has like arms and torsos and like a head type feature its legs are kind of more just just a wisp that emanates from the fire if uh, that makes sense like think about Robin Williams uh, genie in the animated uh, one where like when genie doesn't have legs and he just kind of has that wisp that comes down almost to a point Okay. Except for on this thing, it's made out of fire. <laughs> and you're first, then, Igmet. Um, I'm going to make a da- dash action um, away from it. Where are you going? Um, towards the horses. And you're going to jump onto the horses? I'm going to jump onto a horse, yep. Okay. So you start sprinting as fast as you can over towards where the horses are uh, tied up to some trees. And why don't you go ahead and make me an acrobatics check to jump onto one of them? Uh, It's a 13. So you manage to sort of get one of your feet into the stirrups relatively quickly, and you swing your leg over, and you spur the horse on, and you manage to get, I would say, another good 15 feet um, of riding away. So you're definitely already moving towards the trail and heading into the direction of Fillmore's Crossing. That is then going to bring us to the Fire Elemental, who roars at you guys, and um, Tom, you can feel the heat emanating off of this thing, and Igmet, you see, you turn around to kind of assess the situation and see what this thing is doing, and it actually shoots some fire near you, um, but it doesn't hit you. Like, it flies sort of maybe 20 or 25 feet in front of where you're you're heading. And then you see the elemental disappears into the fire um, that's in front of Tom. And when you look back in front of yourself, you can see that the elemental is in the fire that it just started in the grass. And that will bring us to Tom's turn. And so Tom, I would say that the elemental is a good 60 feet away from you uh, at this point, because it's um, it's about 25 feet in front of Igmet on the horse, um, on the trail heading towards Fillmore's Crossing. I'm going for the horses too. I assume the horses were tied up together. Oh yeah, all four of them were in relatively the same area, I would say. Okay, give me an acrobatics check to jump onto the horses, or onto one of them. Not both of them. You can't ride multiple horses at the same time. That's a 10. Okay, so it takes you a little bit longer to get into the stirrups, but you also are further away from this elemental, and so uh, I'm going to say that you're you're like uh, 10 feet behind Igmet, because Igmet is definitely faster than you are. And so that will bring us to you, Igmet. You've got uh, this elemental that just appeared out of a small grass fire that it just created ahead of you on the trail. I'm going to draw my bow um, and uh, shot at it. Um, that's 24. Oh, yeah. That hits. Okay. 
that's 20 damage. All right. Okay, so you, um, are you going to keep moving forward then? Like, what are you doing? Uh, are, are you stopping? I'm gonna pull my, my, the rain to the side and just stop. Dead in your tracks? All right. So, uh, that should be a fun animal handling check for Tom. Uh, <laughs> so you draw back your bow and you release the arrow and when it connects with this, with this elemental, you see it sort of sinks into its flesh and then the fire just consumes the entirety of the arrow. And it just looks more angry than, than injured. And now it is its turn and it is going to start. So it moves in almost a snake-like fashion and like zigzags side to side as it's coming towards you and it's very fast. And it will, it will swing its scimitars at you. Uh, the first one is a 14. I'm guessing that doesn't hit. Doesn't hit. Well, the second one's a 26, and that definitely does. Ooh. And okay. the third one is a, a 17. Does that hit you? Uh, yes. Dope. So two. So it's five slashing damage and three fire damage. Okay, can Uncanny Dodge, can that help with the fire damage or is that just the slashing? I think it would help, I think it helps with all of the damage from one attack. So you can have that, so it would be four damage in total instead of, uh, instead of ten. That's just the first attack. Oh yeah, for sure. But I'm glad that you used that on the, on the much shittier roll that I had previously. So the second one is going to be seven slashing and eight fire damage. <laughs> okay. And that will bring us to you, Tom. And uh, so you notice immediately that Igmit has stopped his horse um, at the prospect of this uh, elemental being in the middle of the path. And uh, the elemental has now moved up onto Igmit. And so it is, it is technically 15 feet away, but more like 10. So you don't like physical attacks. I'm going to run um, in their direction, draw my pistol, and just fire. Where is Igma in relation to the general direction we've been heading towards town? He's in front of you, closer to town. Okay, so he's headed that direction. I'm going to be going to follow I'm on his, uh, on his trail. Right. That's my direction. Okay, so yeah, I'm going to need an animal handling check if you're not stopping. 17. Oh yeah, you managed to uh, you managed to kind of swerve uh, along the side of him. Are you planning on continuing to on towards Fillmore's Crossing as you shoot this uh, creature? Then, if I end up bypassing Igmit, I'm gonna bypass Igmit. <laughs> okay. So what is uh, what is your attack roll? Twenty-three. Oh yeah, that hits. Fourteen damage. So as you ride past this thing, you pull back the hammer on your pistol and fire just point blank right into it. And you you see the fire the the fire that makes up its body sort of like wisps and and you definitely can see where you hit. It's just kind of weird how this thing's body actually reacts to physical damage, but it is going to swing its sword as you uh, ride past it. That's a 18 on your on your armor class. 
That's a tie. All right. That will be. That will be six slashing and two fire. And so you move the full 50 feet of a horse, and so you're you're now 35 feet away from this uh, creature and about 40 feet in front of Igmit. And that will bring us to you, Igmit. Once I see that this thing is not taking hits uh, easily, I'm going to try and run for my horse and disengage. Wait, did you get off your horse? Oh, well, I guess I didn't get off. Yeah, I sorry, I didn't think you did either, which is why I was confused. So you're just gonna try, you're just gonna use your bonus action to disengage and keep riding then? Yes. All right, so you will move, you will move 40 feet beyond this, uh, this creature, and then that will bring us to its turn, and it is just going to, it's going to shoot another, like, little gout of flame that just, burns past your head, Igmit, and you can feel the heat on it as it flies past you, and it lands on the ground probably another 30 feet in front of you, and uh, it creates another small grass fire out of which this thing again pops out, and that will bring us to you, Tom. Tom, damn it. <laughs> what? <laughs> Should have taken that damn deal if some bitch can't take a hit. How much longer until we get to the town? Seven hours. It's quite a ride. Can you use your thundering voice and call down that, I don't know, whatever wizard that's giving us this bullshit? I don't know what we're going to say. We don't have much to negotiate with, but... We take the deal, and then we live. Because I think the only alternative is burning up. At least we can buy ourselves some time. How's the fire elemental doing all, while we're while we're saying all this? It's it seems like it's just blocking your path and and kind of waiting to see what you guys are going to do and kind of trying to be tactical about it. Ignat, you don't happen to know of any nearby streams or lakes, do you? No, it'd be too far off trail. Uh, I, it'd be a while before we could get to one. Let me see if I can lead him out of our way. You keep running, and I'll try to catch up with you. All right. I'm going to cast Freedom of Movement on my horse. Okay. He's unaffected by difficult terrain or spells or magical effects um, in terms of reducing their speed. So um, then I'm going to ride off trail, and and, uh, I'll just regular call out to this thing and try to get it to follow me. Um, Tom just looks at the creature, and he says... Just try and catch me, you son of a bitch. And he starts running off the trail into the weeds. He's kind of going to keep it like parallel to the trail as much as he can, but almost like one of those weird service roads that go along a highway. Oh, okay. So you want to kind of take a frontage road type approach through the... Okay, I gotcha. So you're 50 feet off trail then. I'm not even going to make you roll animal handling because your horse is no longer impeded by... uh... Like, it seems like the brush is almost just bending out of the way for your horse as you're, uh, as you're riding through. However, you do get hit in the face with a few branches and things <laughs> as you're going. <laughs> so that's kind of fun. <laughs> and so, Igmit, it is your turn. However, because the elemental goes after you, you will have to either wait and see if this works or just ride past it and eat an opportunity attack or ride off trail and... Uh, risk uh, breaking your horse's leg. It's kind of up to you. I'm 
gonna ride off the trail just slightly um, so I can avoid directly passing next to him uh, but okay. still in the direction of Fillmore's Crossing. There is definitely uneven ground, but you sort of ease your horse at a slow angle into the brush, and so it definitely gets some time to gain its footing as it's just galloping hard. You can you can feel it sweating underneath you, and um, you manage to get uh, you manage to get a full hundred feet of movement this way, and uh, so you would be about seventy-five feet past this uh, this creature. And because Tom is closer, the elemental is going to launch some fire uh, over in Tom's direction, and then it will appear about 10 to 15, it'll, it'll appear 15 feet in front of your path that you're currently taking, uh, Tom. But you're currently heading like, you're heading perpendicular from the trail, so if you started to cut up and take your parallel direction, it would have to then continue to pursue you. Okay. If that makes sense. And it is your turn. So I was going perpendicular and he appeared in front of me, so he's farther off the trail than I am. Correct. And so like I said, if you turn and start heading in that parallel fashion that you were talking about, you wouldn't take an opportunity attack from it. And it would have to keep chasing you, basically. I'm gonna do that and take another shot at it. Alright, go ahead. 25 to hit. Oh yeah. 14 damage. This time your bullet actually cracks against that obsidian armor, and you see a couple of fissures sort of form, but they're not they're not very large. But you feel like this thing is this thing looks like it's taking some damage from your attacks, just not maybe as much as you would be expecting. And that will bring us to Igmit. Are you just gonna keep riding as hard as you can towards uh, Fillmore's Crossing? I am gonna look back from the saddle and uh, try and take a, a shot um, before I, I use my movement. Okay, but it is going to be at disadvantage, just so you know. Disadvantage, okay. Yeah, because it's a pretty long shot. All right, well, I got a four and an eight, so that'd be 11. Yeah, so it's a lot harder to shoot at something that's behind you when you're on horseback than it is to shoot at something that's in front of you on horseback. And so you have to let go of the reins and completely just trust in the strength of your legs as you turn around and you draw you draw an arrow and draw your bowstring back and you loose it. And you see that it's going in the general direction, but you kind of lose the arrow in the night sky after a little while and you don't see it connect with this creature at all. That will put you another 50 feet away, and that brings us to the elemental who is going to shoot another gout of flame towards Tom. And Tom, this thing will now appear about 15 feet in front of you, um, trying to block your path. And there's a small grass fire at its feet, or wisps, I should say. Let's see how you deal with this. Tom casts Bane. The, th the creature has to make a uh, charisma saving throw. All right. First of all, good fucking choice in saves to make this thing make. Because holy shit, it's not good at that. That's a seven on the dice. He, uh, it's that same thing I did to the Cowboys back in the day. He's got to roll a d4 subtracted from any attack roll or saving throw. All right. 
So, uh, are you gonna ride past this thing then? If I can, I'm gonna make the attempt. Alright, I'm gonna... I'll make an attack against you. I mean, even without the Bane, that does not hit. This thing... <laughs> this thing is sort of waiting and swaying back and forth, and as you ride past, you can feel the heat as the sword swings just above your head, but it doesn't even catch your hat, and uh, you manage to ride past it. Could have taken my hair off. Oh, shit. You wish. All four strands of it. <laughs> <laughs> that brings us to you, Igmit. I'm just gonna just full dash action movement. All right, so you dig your spurs into your horse and it just starts cruising down this trail and uh, you are really starting to distance yourself from both Tom and this elemental. You can still see the faint glow of the elemental and that sort of lets you have an idea of where Tom is at. But even with your orcish dark vision, it's becoming hard to see Tom and all of his black clothing against the night sky, you know what I mean? So that will bring us to the elemental who is going to this time, it's going to shoot the flames at your horse's feet. And I would like for you to make me an animal handling check, uh, Tom. 12. So your horse sort, sort of bucks and whinnies just a little bit as these flames appear around its hooves. And you just manage to grip tightly enough to stay on the saddle. But you watch as this uh, as this elemental appears directly next to you and your horse, and uh, so it is now your turn. He's uh, adjacent then. Yeah, directly next to you, like in the next square to your left. Oh, you didn't want to do that. I'm going to use my mace six gun combo. Oh shit! Okay. This is new. It's not new, but it's not often used. I don't usually get into melee combat because I'm running away all the time. <laughs> That's true. That's 20 on the mace. Oh, Dirt. yeah, that hits. Yeah, dirty 20. It's going to be 9 damage. And then that one on the 6 gun. Which comes to 7. All right. I need you to make me another animal handling check. 23. So you... You smash down on this thing with your mace and it gets swallowed up by the flames for a second and you can feel the heat emanating down to the leather handle as you peel it back. And when you fire your pistol, the horse bucks again and you manage to hang on to it and, and keep your movement going forward. Um, are you planning on continuing to move forward then? Mm-hmm. Okay, so this time, it is not going to make its attack of opportunity on you. This time, it's going to attack your horse. And that is going to hit. Mm, your horse is lucky. It doesn't have any fire damage this time. So that is going to be six damage to your horse, slashing. And uh, horses have uh, 14 hit points. Just FYI. So your horse looks rough, but you at least have healing spells, so there's that. So there's a big bloody wound on the side of your horse as it uh, slashes in and, and, and it doesn't quite like bite through the rib cage or anything like that, so it doesn't hit anything vital, but your horse is bleeding quite a bit at this point. And Igmet, you can see Tom's silhouette in, in the distance 
and you definitely can tell that this elemental is quite close to him, um, or at least was quite close to him at one point, but he's starting to outdistance it again. But you see that the elemental is starting to, uh, is starting to ball up another uh, gout of flame in its hands that you're pretty positive it's going to throw and keep harrying Tom. And so what would you like to do then, sir, with that, in in with that information? I would say that Tom is at least 350 feet away from you at this point. I'm gonna keep riding ahead for now. All right, cool. So you are now about 450 feet away from Tom. That will bring us to the elemental, who is going to try the exact same tactic again. Why don't you give me an animal handling check, Tom? Nope, don't even bother, because it does not shoot the god of flame under your horse's feet. Uh, instead, this time it appears off to your left, maybe 20 feet away, and it hisses angrily at you, but uh, that will bring us to your turn, Tom. Tom's going to cast Cure Wounds on his horse and keep riding. Okay, cool. Igmit, another 100 feet? Yes. All right, Tom. This time I will need the animal handling check. Damn, another 23. Oh shit, okay. So this thing sort of tries to breach almost like a humpback whale when it comes out of the flames, but your horse just sort of goes airborne for a second and leaps over it, um, and and it doesn't it doesn't buck you off. But you're definitely adjacent to this uh, to this creature on your turn. So what would you like to do, Tom? I'm gonna try again. I'm gonna do another mace six gun combo. Let's see here. Sixteen for the mace. Um, that does not hit. A 10, so. All right. So as your horse is sort of whinnying and, and just not quite moving directly in the direction that you want it to go, you swing out with your mace and whiff right above its head, and you shoot with your pistol right afterwards, and again, it just, the bullet passes in between the space between its head and one of its arms and you just, you just can't quite get a handle on it, but between riding and this thing and all of the fire and your eyes adjusting to light and then dim light and then dark and then light again, it's just very complicated and you're, you're just fucking frantic at this point almost, and so it's not really surprising that you would miss. Igmit, do you move another 20, 100 feet? Yeah, Igmit's just gonna keep dashing 100, another 100 feet. Um, that brings us to the elemental who is going to... So, Igmit, you are now 650 feet away from Tom. And, Tom, did you move? I've been moving every single time. Every time I get a chance to move, I'm moving. But it was my fuck up to not opportunity attack you, so I'm not going to retcon it. It's going to appear right next to you again, and it seems like... Unless you put a considerable amount of distance between you and this thing, it's going to be able to continue to catch up to you. And so it is adjacent to you again. Your horse is, however, starting to get used to this. And unless I roll a nat 20 for its positioning now, I'm not gonna make you do the animal handling check for it appearing right next to the horse because basically as far as this horse is concerned, it's just a really hot fucking day now and there's just constantly a heat source next to it. Um, and so what would you like to do on your turn, Tom? This uh, creature is directly on your left. 
feeling pretty frantic now. Um, I don't know if you'd consider this action or bonus action, but Tom's going to reach into his pocket and pull out his blessed pennant and put it on real quick. Okay. I put it on as a bonus action and then I take a shot. All right, go ahead and shoot. 16. That doesn't hit. So again, the, the, the last three or four times that you've gotten away from this thing, it's just appeared directly next to you again, causing your irises to shrink down almost immediately because of just this bright, intense light being so near you. And you just try and level your pistol and take a shot as fast as you possibly can, but it just misses harmlessly wide. And your horse isn't even bucking because all that's going on is just heat and shooting and heat and shooting. And that brings us to you, Igmit. What would you like to do? Are you gonna just move your 100 feet again? Yep, I'm just cramming that spur into this uh, horse. All right, and so this thing is going to, it's going to swell up with this, with this fire energy. And I need you to make me a dexterity saving throw, uh, Brian. 20 All right, so you are going to take half damage from this. Um, please roll a dex save for your horse. Uh, it'll be at plus two. That's an 18. Oh yeah, that also saves. So you take uh, 26 damage, but that's halved for uh, 13 as this, uh, this huge burst of flame just erupts right next to you and you and your horse are both just immolated for just a second and the heat is so intense. Like, Tom, if you hadn't burned your eyebrows off before <laughs> from the eruption of, uh, of flames that happened in uh, Portnoy's shop, you definitely don't have any eyebrows now. <laughs> and all, all exposed skin does not have hair on it anymore and your horse definitely has some bare patches on it and there are extreme scorch marks on it, and it is now moving a little bit slower than it normally would because it is very injured. And it is your turn. And remember that this elemental is 50 feet behind you at this point. Tom kind of coughs and uh, sputters and clears away the smoke and tries to focus on riding, and then uh, he turns around, kind of sizzling, and he says, you like playing with fire. He cast Sacred Flame on the thing. Deck save. All right. 15. Uh, that's a dirty 20. Damn it. That's all I got. Can I activate that thing as a bonus action? You can, yes. So you are you are now blessed for uh, for as long as the blessed spell would normally act uh, last. You notice, though, that your horse is slower, and instead of moving 50 feet this time, you move 40 feet. And so you're about 90 feet away from this thing and it is going to attack your horse. And that isn't going to hit. So you see another uh, much smaller blast of flame appear. It, it sort of lands next to the horse and you are very thankful that, uh, that it doesn't hit your horse because that would have that been the end of this chase scene and would have turned into a fight. <laughs> Igmit, what are you doing? Another 100 feet of movement. All right, so you are now 750 feet away from Tom. Or actually, you are 760 feet away from Tom. Okay. And that will bring us to the elemental who is going to... who is going to appear in the gout of flame that was 
that was next to Tom, but Tom moved uh, on, and so it is again about 40 feet behind you this time, Tom, and it is your turn. Having this new blessing, Tom pulls out his rifle and uh, takes a shot. 18. 15 damage. All right. So you you put your uh, six gun in its holster and you quickly pull your rifle off of your back and turn around and squeeze your legs tight around your horse and level it and take the shot and it connects directly with this obsidian armor very near where you shot it the last time and you see those fissures sort of spider more along its armor and it sort of roars at you and hisses and some of the flames sort of uh, sort of wrap around and spit around its armor as it uh, continues to try and look intimidating and that will bring us to Igmit. Just another hundred feet of movement. <laughs> Alright, so you are you are getting real far ahead at this point. Um, I think that other than the faint light in the distance, you you can't really see much of anything that's going on. Um, this will bring us to the elemental who is going to try and use Fuck yeah so Tom, right after you pull the trigger from that shot, you turn around and you grab onto the reins of your horse and you feel not a ton of heat like you did last time, but just a little bit of it as your horse takes two damage from the fire and it then collapses underneath you. And you uh, go ahead and make me a dexterity saving throw. Okay, so you actually managed to roll with this really well, so I'm going to give you half damage. Um, so it would have been 10, but instead you'll take five as you sort of, as you sort of fly off of the horse a little bit and uh, you roll probably 10 feet or so through the dirt and, uh, you know, some of the brambles and stuff get stuck into your coat and you uh, you get some scratches on your face from some branches and cacti and things like that, but you you definitely feel relatively unharmed compared to how nasty the crash should have been. And it is now your turn and your horse is dead. Or dying, I should say. Is it in a KO state like we get I'll let that I'll allow that. So you could you could heal it and, you know, get it up and whatnot, but it is going to lose half of its movement standing up and you're gonna have to get on it and stuff, but at least you'll have a horse instead of just running from this thing. <laughs> Tom tries to clear his head, and then he, he looks at the creature, and he's kind of in a panic state, seeing that his horse is on the ground, um, struggling to even survive this, and uh, maybe even having its last breaths. And Tom says, I apologize if I have been uncertain lately, but I could definitely use your help right now. He's going to attempt to cast Spirit Guardians. Okay, and so basically you're setting up a, a barrier of Spirit Guardians so that you can deal with this horse situation? Yeah, and I don't know if this counts as a magic attack or not, but uh, that's up to you for double damage. Oh yeah, no, it will when they hit. That'll be the, it'll be the same as normal. So Tom casts that. He's going to try to move towards his horse if he's not already adjacent to it. Um, so you were a little bit away because you kind of skittered off of it when it fell. Um, but you can easily, with your movement, get over there. Um, why don't you roll me a death saving throw for your horse? 
Nat 20. Oh shit! So you actually think that this uh, this horse might be relatively stable, like it's definitely in an unconscious state, but it doesn't seem to be dying. Like, you know if you were to leave it out in the elements, it would definitely die, but it would take, you know, quite a bit of time for that to happen. Like, it would die of exposure and not of its wounds, mm. if that makes sense. So that's a really well-timed nat 20. You definitely <laughs> have a lot more time to work with in, than you did before. Fuck. <laughs> That super backfired on me. Um, <laughs> Igmit, you still riding at full speed? Yep. All right. So I don't think that this thing would know what the spirit guardians are or what they do. So it's going to shoot its uh, little gout of flame basically directly near where they're at. And then it's going to just appear in that area. Um, and it also is pretty close to where you and your horse are. But, yeah, it has no idea what those spirit guardians are, and so it's just going to appear nearby there. And so is it on its turn that that happens, or is it on your turn? When it enters the area for the first time on okay. a turn. I will roll. Or start to charge Um, So that's a 14. Uh, I think it's called EC 15. All right. So, yeah, go ahead and deal damage. Nine times two. So 18 overall. Okay, so I think that uh, that there's four of these little pixie-like creatures that are just flitting and zooming around this thing, and they're just slashing the shit out of this elemental with it, with their swords. And you can see that their magic is cutting deep into this creature, like way more so than your uh, than your gunshots or mace shots had done. And you can see much deeper rends into this armor. And that will bring us to you, Tom. It's your turn. Tom starts to pet his horse and he says, Hey there, buddy. Come on, wake up. We cast cure wounds. 11 heat help. Well, and that's doubled as well. We, uh, we had decided. So your horse is back at full. And so your horse, your horse kind of looks up wild-eyed and it rocks itself to the side and gets its feet back up under it and uh, sort of stands up and stops its feet a couple of times and uh, yeah, you can get on it if you want it. Uh, one of my features, I just... Blessed Healer, when you cast the first level spell or higher that restores hit points to a creature other than you, you gain a hit points equal to two plus the level spell. You do? Mm-hmm. Damn, that's pretty cool. Three whole health. Alright, so uh, what did you say about... I can get it, the horses up? Yep, you can get on it if you wanted. I'm gonna mount it. <laughs> Boo. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say though that you probably cannot uh, move on this turn just because getting it up and, and getting mounted onto it is probably gonna be the majority of that. I get that. Um, so that will bring us to Igmit, who I'm assuming is just <laughs> continuing to ride further into the distance. Yep, you know, and he probably pulled like a, yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so this elemental is going to make a wisdom saving throw, and it is going to fail again um, with a 10 on the die this time. So go ahead and deal your damage. 13 radiant. 
so again, these these guardians just continue to flit around it at different directions, and this elemental it has been slapping at the, them with its uh, scimitars, and it's starting to realize that it cannot do any sort of damage to these things, and it is going to move forward, and it is going to take attacks on you, Tom. I didn't I didn't multiply that just so you know it's thirteen times two. Oh well, you. I, probably start doing that for me. I, I, for, I forgot. <laughs> I was dropping my dice and... So this thing looks rough. Like, your spirit guardians are just are just hacking it down. There are, there are holes in its armor at this point, and the flames are licking out of these... Uh, out of these fissures that are being created by these spirit guardians, and it moves forward towards you, Tom, and I need you to make me an athletics check, please. Two plus one. <laughs> so this thing grabs onto you and pulls you off of the horse, and you take you take one fire damage as that happens. Um, but on your turn, you, you will have to escape from this thing uh, in order to get back on your horse and start riding away because you are grappled currently, sir. And Igmit continues riding? Yep. You think at this point, because you turn around and you can see that the the light is even hard to see at this point, and you think that you could probably slow down just given the fact that your horse is starting to become lathered with sweat and it's breathing heavy and you can feel its lungs just heaving underneath you and so you could bring it down to a gallop at this point if you wanted. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna this seem easy gallop. Definitely gonna keep moving, but but not the crazy pace. Sounds like a plan. And this will bring us back to the elemental. Wait. Did Tom get to go? Mm-hmm. Oh, I did a grapple. I got grappled, and then uh, I think it could have Oh, I, I accidentally skipped you then, Tom. Okay. So we'll retcon back to your turn so you can try and get out of the grapple. I apologize. I don't know how to do that. Is that just is what we did already? Uh, you would you would roll either acrobatics or athletics to uh, try and escape as an opposed roll with this thing. 16 acrobatics. I got a 21. Damn it. Can I do anything grappled or am I stuck? You can uh, you can try and shoot it with your pistol at disadvantage if you wanted. Okay. Tom's going to try and shoot it with his pistol at disadvantage and he's not even going to draw it. He's just going to shoot it right on his belt like try to <laughs> <laughs> just like spin up the holster and pull the trigger. Uh-huh. I love it. It's going to be a 15 to attack. You pull the trigger just a little bit too early, and so it fires into the ground as you're trying to turn it up into uh, into this creature. And so I am going to continue with its turn. You, Tom, are going to take one fire damage from being in grapple with this thing. What the fuck? And it is going... It's going to slam you into the ground, but, like, the way that it does it, you sort of manage to spin in its arms, and the heat is just intense, and your clothes are starting to become singed, and you're definitely becoming fearful that you could start on fire at any moment, and not the kind of fire that you decided upon, but instead... (laughs) And, um, so you are now prone, and, uh... 
I will give you half damage from the slam. So you are going to take three points of bludgeoning as it throws you into the ground and you're now prone in front of it. And just so you know, standing up is going to take an attack opportunity against you. Uh, your turn. It just feels weird because I accidentally skipped you. <laughs> uh, as Tom falls on the ground, he, he kind of moves his holster upward and takes another shot from the hip. With a nat one. <laughs> okay, so Tom, you're like crawling away from this thing backwards on... on you're kind of using your elbow to pull yourself and you're kicking with your legs and you just roll your revolver up and you can feel the concussion against your leg as the bullet just barely, barely misses your own leg and embeds itself in the ground maybe three feet in front of you and this elemental is still moving in that snake-like fashion back and forth and swaying towards you. And Igmet keeps riding. Dope. Um, so, what is the radius on those uh, spirit guardians? Is it still in there? 15 feet. Okay, so it is still in there. Um, that's an 11, so it doesn't save. Go ahead and roll your damage. 24. I, I multiply. Okay. So your spirit guardians basically form a line, and they just start... They just start dive-bombing right directly into the chest of this creature, further cracking the armor, and more gouts of flame sort of spit out from these fissures that are created, and this thing is just roaring and hissing and flailing at all of these things, but every time that it connects with one of them with its scimitars, it just passes through harmlessly, and this creature is, is very upset with all of this situation and it continues to move towards you, Tom, and it is going to take its swings at you. Net 20 hits, um, but uh, 15 doesn't, I don't think, does it? No. And then a nine definitely doesn't hit then. <laughs> but that nat, that nat 20 is gonna be more than enough, uh, more than enough fun for you. So that is going to be so that's 12 slashing, and that is going to be 16 fire damage. So you're gonna take 30 in total. As this thing just this thing just rips into you with its scimitar, and you can immediately feel a gout of flame that sort of sears the wound shut, but it just burns and aches on, on your torso where you just got slashed, and part of your part of your chest is exposed, and it is your turn. Tom's head starts just swirling, and he says, uh, Regardless, I appreciate the help. And he passes out.
do you want to, like, announce us, or should I, um... How about you hang back a little bit, look and still see me, and I'll just walk up and, I don't know, start a conversation, I guess. Alright, that's cool with me. As you get close, she looks at you and she goes, Help! Help! Lucius is missing! Oh, Marie! Marie, it's alright. I know where he is. The the mining accident! The mining accident! Oh my god! The mining accident! Then you hear, The bargain is broken. Oh, shit. Well, that's a mighty fine trick you got there. No, 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 please don't do this. Please, please don't do this. You promise. You promise that you can't take him away from me now. Oh, oh no. Please, oh, please no. Anything to me. She is just a wreck. Like, she cannot do anything other than to continue and plead, and she's not looking at you when she does this. She's looking back at her house. My gun is out, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna run up this uh, at this point after the thing disappears, and I'm like, y- you were, you had a bargain with that thing. <laughs> For the sake of it, don't do this to me. I, we had a deal. You can't take it back. Like you can't take it back. You can't. No, 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 no. I looked to Alivari and I'm like, we have to get to the church now. All right. And I start sprinting towards the church. So as you guys are sprinting towards the church, the house blows apart like shrapnel is flying everywhere. And this enormous creature produces out of it. And it's probably 15 feet tall. It has four arms. Two of them are sort of this bestial but with with human-like fingers on them, but the lower ones have these crab-like claws on it, and it has this horrible dog face to it, and it is just beating aside any piece of wood or anything else that is still in its way, and it is chasing after you guys. Let's roll initiative. As the splinters and chunks of wood rain down around this terrible forearm creature, terror fills the eyes of Marie Fillmore. This black creature reaches down with its long arm, a crab-like claw at the end of it, and it grips Marie's form tightly, her veins bulging and her mouth screaming in fear as the claw ripped through her torso. Half of Marie Fillmore's body crashed ten feet to the ground in a sickening wet crack, blood falling in sheets from the upper half of her torso. Her mouth was still contorted to a scream, but no sound emanated any longer. So you guys are currently running. Where are you heading? What are you doing? We'll start with Alivari. I'm gonna zag a little bit, and I'm gonna go straight north, and I don't know what I'm hoping to achieve. I'm running out of fear at this point, and I'm just dashing, because I know I don't have much to give right now. Falk, what are you doing? I am uh, running too, and... Um, how far behind us is it? Um, I think that you guys probably got a 
both got a full dash action off before um, we get to this point. And it took time to actually, you know, soak in Marie's fear. And so, I mean, this is taking a little bit of time. So, so it would be 60 feet behind you then at this point. Oh, Ernie, fuck. Did you fucking see that? He just ripped her in half. I ain't gonna look back. I'm just running. Good, good idea. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to continue to dash. All right, so you guys sprint from the demon as fast as your legs will carry you. Your hearts are pumping quickly, and it's creating this sort of drumbeat that, uh, that goes under this cacophony that starts around you, and you realize that there's this thunder echoing in the distance, and it's shaking the nails from the nearby buildings, and you hear screams start to erupt around you, and you notice that there are these fiery red portals that begin to open up from the desert floor, and these smaller beaked creatures with these large wings and clawed fingers start to crawl their way out of these openings. And it doesn't take long before these creatures start heading their way towards the people that are sort of guarding the uh, the church and also just basically getting up into an aerial position and as soon as they find somebody that whether they're running or whether they were on their porch and trying to see what was going on, they just either go and start devouring them with these terrible beaks or they pick them up and drop them from the air and uh, everything is, it just seems to be getting insane. So Alivari, what are you doing? What the fuck is that? I don't know. Uh, this is this is getting weird. Uh, it's not good. Is my horse anywhere close? Um, I don't think so. I think that you guys would have left your because uh, I think you went and got um, Zuri Blood Moon's horse on foot. Right, we did. And so, yeah, your horse would probably be tied up either at uh, at the um, the Wilson. Or Winslow, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Winslow's, or it would be in front of uh, the crossing house. Either way. Still far. Either way, I guess I should say. Where's the art camp, Falk? We can't do this alone. No, we can't, and I have no idea where they are. I don't know when they're going to get here, and oh my god. I don't even know if we could handle this with them. Uh... We got to tell the people in the church, we just got to get out of here. Everybody's got to leave town. Yeah, yeah. That, that's the only answer right now. I, everybody's going to be eaten. Um, so, uh, running toward the church then, I guess. All right. And Falk, what are you doing? Yeah, I'm, I'm constantly, um, like, looking over my shoulder and, uh, and, and trying to keep an eye on, on where it is. And, um, do I see, uh, Donnie? Uh, Donnie would also be tied up at the crossing house, I'm pretty sure. I whistle out for him. Um, make me an animal handling check. I'll give you advantage on it. Animal handling, it's plus one, so 11. With advantage? Oh, with advantage. Oh, I forgot about that. So nervous. Okay, so it's 12. <laughs> Yay! Um, Donnie turns and he actually starts to come towards you for a second and then it seems like he notices what is chasing you and then immediately Donnie just goes off in the opposite direction uh, towards the back of the crossing house. Damn it! Donnie, you're killing me here. Literally, probably. (laughs) (laughs) 
Is there anything else that you want to do, Falk? Um, I, I can continue running. All right. You guys think that next turn you can probably get there. Um, and so you guys are still just making it to the church as fast as you possibly can, and your chests are heaving, and this Glabrazoo just laughs deeply as it moves forward with purpose, ready to satiate its bloodlust. Shots begin to erupt from the bell tower of the church almost immediately, though. Um, you notice that that Mark Baggio is up in the up in the tower, and his hands are working quickly, and he's actually getting a lot of shots into the air um, faster than you probably could, uh, Falk, and definitely faster than you could, uh, Alabari. And these miners that were in front of the church, they kind of level their scatter guns, and they take some shots at this thing, too, and some of them try and shoot at these winged creatures that are going around them, but they're just all having so much trouble because they're terrified and they want to go inside of the church, but they also know that somebody has to stand out here against this stuff, and so they're making the decision to do that. And so the one that is standing to the right side of the door, he kind of starts to push it open and get ready for you and Alivari to get in there, fault. And then all of a sudden, one of these winged creatures comes down from above and grabs onto him and brings him up like a hundred feet into the air and just lets go. And you watch as this man falls and just plummets onto the church steps, and it's a gruesome sight. Ah, fuck. Falk, we gotta get out of here. Yeah, no kidding. We, we can't fight those creatures. Um, like, I've been constantly looking over my shoulder. The shots that uh, Baggio has taken at the Glabrazoo, do they look like they're like having any sort of effect on him at all i mean it seems as though it's uh it's doing damage but it doesn't seem as though the glabber zoo is going to stop what it's doing just because of this like you do notice that that the shots that mark misses have a purple tracer um like it almost looks like a a laser as uh it it shoots, and you kind of think to yourself, and then you remember the gun that Tom stole from Patrick Portnoy, and it did the same stuff. And so you assume that magical weapons probably have some sort of an effect on this thing. But, like, the shotgun blasts don't seem to be doing anything. All right. Whose uh, turn is it right now? Uh, Alivari. Oh. You can get inside the church this time if you want. Okay. I should have done this right away, but I'm going to do the mantle of inspiration. I, I kind of like glow a little bit and my hair kind of fluffs out like Shira. <laughs> nice. um, and I give everybody around me an extra five temporary hit points. Okay. And then uh, they can move 60 feet to me. Oh, I should have waited till we were running. Crap. Anyway. So yeah, that's what I did. Okay. And that was my bonus action. And then we're in the church. <sighs> Yo, we cannot fight these things. There are demons all around and we just need to run. Get whatever you can get your hands on from right now and get out of town. We can't beat them. Deputy Portnoy uh, steps forward and he pulls out his uh, guns and he says, I mean, we gotta, we gotta at least try and hold them off. If if everybody's just running through the through the desert, we're just we're just sitting ducks. You know what I mean? Some of some of these folk, they can't. We we gotta do something. I I, I don't I don't know. 
Hardwired, if you're out there and you hear me, come, come, please, some, someone. As you, uh, as you guys are talking, you hear an explosion up above you, and part of the tower, not tons of it, but definitely pieces of the, the masonry start to rain down upon the entrance area of this church, and you hear something kind of tumbling down the roof, and you don't even need to pay, make a perception check. Like, it's very clear that something is tumbling down the roof, um, and you think that the bell tower is probably not there anymore. This whole building's coming down. You're all gonna die if you stay here. Uh, so in, in that turn that it would have taken me to, uh, to get up to the door, um, as I'm, I'm running, like, um, I'm, she's still a little bit ahead of me at first anyway, and, like, then I start to sort of feel the weight of the, the gauntlet on my left arm, and I, uh, like, take a quick look down at it and look at the, the small meter on there that tells me how much, uh, MP it has left in there, and, um, it's not looking good. And um, I start to sort of slow down to my um, normal movement pace and um, just kind of look at it and then looking over my shoulder back at the creature. And then I come to a complete stop about 30 feet away from the door there. And um, I message Alivari, take everyone you can and get them to move as fast as possible. I'm going to stall this thing. Okay. Uh, I will. And then I uh, turn around and, and face the, the creature with my uh, hands uh, kind of stretched out and up like uh, like I got my gun holstered and, and all that. You noticed that it, it cast a fireball up into the bell tower and it exploded and you watched as Mark Baggio's body went and just bounced down the roof and fell onto the ground. And um, it's, it's just continuing to grab onto people that are moving past it, and so you're going to have to do something to get its attention. Um, I start waving my hands, and I'm like, I surrender! Um, I, I can... Uh, I'll deal. I'll bargain. Whatever it takes. As soon as you say bargain, its head snaps over towards you, and it's... Uh, and it says, Oh, now you want to bargain. Now, of all times, this is when they always want to bargain. But my terms will not be as merciful as they would have before. What do you want, Agent? What is it that your heart desires? He, um, starts to kind of scratch his face a little bit, and, um, he's, like, going, his mind is going, like, a mile a minute. And he's trying to um, think of anything that he can do um, to to kind of stall for time, and um, he's like, uh, um, "I I can make you an offer of. Do you see this gauntlet? And I know that you know how powerful it is. There's one even more ancient and, and more powerful in a cave in the mines." and I can take you right to it. He kind of looks at uh, the gauntlet that's on your hand currently, and he says, What is it that you want in return? Oh, shit. Um, well, uh, and he he's, like, kind of just, like, got all these thoughts and emotions going through his head, and um, he 
can't help but kind of look over his shoulder back at everybody, like, trying to get out of there and hoping that the, the Gabrazu isn't, like, catching on to what's going on. And then it pops into his head. He sees Boris over there, like, um, grabbing people out of the, the cellar door on the back of the church and kind of trying to get them out and get them running as fast as possible. And um, his eyes all of a sudden, like, kind of get a, a sparkle to him as the, the idea pops in. You know, my partner Boris there, I want you to send him and I back to his dimension where he came from before he came here. I want us both to go there exactly the moment that he left. Why would I wait for a gauntlet when you have one with a perfectly good arcane condenser right there? Hmm. You know about that, huh? He kind of twiddles his fingers inside the, the gauntlet there for a second. And, uh, but he doesn't take a whole lot of time to, to think about it. He kind of uh, bites down on his lip a little bit. And he starts to remove it from his hand. He, he takes it off. And then uh, takes one last sort of sigh. And then, and then hands it out. And he says, if, if that's what it takes, I bargain. Ironic. Send you to a different dimension so you can escape me, but go powerless. I can take this deal. And he reaches over and grabs onto your gauntlet, and he puts it onto his hand, and he sort of looks at it for a second, and it begins to glow, and this energy is sort of just spiderwebbing and crackling down his arm that has the human hand, and... He just waves it at you and then waves it at Boris. Before that happens, uh, like right as he's like putting it on and the energy starting to glow, um, I take one more look back and uh, do I see Alivari? Alivari, make me a perception check. That's a 24. I would say so, yes. I look back and I look so sorry. Volk? What? And also, um, Boris, who was nearby you, helping you get these people out, is also gone. You... Um... Okay, we... Uh, Y'all gotta go. We, we gotta get out of here. Get out the back door. We, we gotta run. We got nothing now. Alivari, you notice that, uh... That... Out the back door at this point, um, there are those winged creatures, and they're just preying upon the people that are running out the back door at this point as well, and Deputy Portnoy looks at you and he goes, Fuck him! Fuck that! Fuck him! He's a fucking coward! What the f- and he's just going crazy. His his entire face is just red and the veins are bulging out of his head and he grabs onto both of his pistols and he runs out the back door and he just starts trying to shoot as many of these winged creatures as possible. And what what are you doing? Can I disguise self as some form of a demon that I've seen before? Like a my-size demon? Yeah, I don't see why not. Okay. I'm going to turn into something that looks like it fits in with the rest of the demons and just get the fuck out of town because I have nothing left to offer. And the only person I was really trying to help is... I mean, personally trying to help was gone. 
and I'm alone. So I think that you're running, you're running away as fast as you can, and some of the townspeople are running next to you, and you watch as these winged creatures come and pick them off, and blood spatter gets all over you as you're just making your way through these killing fields, and the only thing that you're concentrating on is your own two feet as they pound against the sand, and a few moments you almost falter, but you manage to keep your focus, and you run from Fillmore's Crossing. And meanwhile, the hulking demon rips one claw directly through the roof of the church, sending stone and masonry everywhere. Screams and death rattles fill the air. People trying to escape the church stream out both the front and the back of the building. A red-haired woman gets lifted by one of the winged creatures and brought high into the air. Deputy Portnoy levels his pistol and tries to let shots fly, but none of them are true in his panic state. And the Glabrazoo is still picking people up with both sets of hands and just ripping them in half. And he's doing it over its maw and just letting their blood pour down either side of its snout, just unceremoniously tossing them aside and moving on to a new person. And more of these holes begin to open among the frenzy and more creatures begin to free themselves from the abyss and quickly they join in with the slaughter. And the gauntlet just seems to add more as he can just tap into even more power than he previously had. It glows and pulsates with light and energy. And Deputy Portnoy is crouched beside the red-headed woman, her broken corpse cradled in his hands, tears falling freely as the entire world crashes down around him people being dragged from their homes and torn apart limb from limb. A crack of thunder rolls over the entire scene and slowly raindrops begin to muddy the streets with blood and water. Streaks of rain cascade down Rebecca's comely face, her copper hair matted in mud, and save for her neck twisting in a garish unnatural way, she was still beautiful. The light still seemed to dance in her green eyes as Pete Portnoy cradled her his sobs drowned by the din of thunder and destruction. Octavius, the blacksmith, was still shooting indiscriminately, whirling and spinning. He reloaded and fired and reloaded again. He saw the winged creature swooping down at terminal velocity. Two more shells in his scattergun, and the pellets tore through the shoulder wing of the smaller demon. When it collided with Octavius, he crumpled to the ground hard. Pastor Breakfast presented himself to the demon with his holy symbol brandished like a mighty sword. You are compelled by Ernie to go back from whence you came. You are not welcome here, demon. You will not continue to prey on Ernie's flock. And the Glabrazoo smiled and licked its blood-covered lips and stomped on the preacher his entrails squeezing out from between the long claw-like nails on the demon's foot. The deputy put his pistol on the dirt, put his hands out wide, indicating he was no threat. You said you wanted a bargain. Turn it back to the way it was before. The demon snapped to attention, blood dripping from its maw. I've already had a bargain. What do you offer? Deputy, I'll accept nothing short of your soul. 
I read enough of the book to expect that. Peter, this has been going on longer than you may realize. You have to feel it. Just a tickle on the back of your brain. This has happened before. That maybe Marie wasn't the first. Are you sure you don't want to just embrace death? the fuck are you talking about? I give you what you've been begging for this whole time, and now you're trying to see if I got misgivings? You will not presume I need more than your fear to feast upon, mortal. Oh, no. I enjoy your misery so thoroughly. It is the sweetest meal I have ever come across. But do not confuse my gluttony for cowardice. The first unexpected thing was the agents. One is dead, one is in another dimension, and one is next. What makes you think you can stop me next time? Deputy Portnoy looks down at the ground and wrings his hand, the hard rain pushing his hat down around his face. Look, it isn't about that. I, I found out she was fooling with Fillmore and I wasn't the brother I should have been and she's just gotta know how much I love her even if, even if it costs me my soul. So just do it. How touching. You mortals are as sentimental as you are stupid. But it is done. The rain pours down as the Glabrazoo snaps a finger on his human hand, the gauntlet releasing its power in a giant pulse. The pulse expands slowly at first, but as it touches Deputy Portnoy, his form disappears. The magical pulse seemed to overwhelm the deputy until he was completely gone. The bubble continues to expand at an exponential pace, returning everything into place in this Glabrazoo's toy box. I rule over this town. You will be my playthings for eternity. Sit on down here, Tom. Have you already heard the reports? Um, yeah, sure. Uh, sit on down, Tom. I got a new case for you. What about... I, I'm confused. Do you, do you not want to go over the details? Tom, there's, there's nothing else to talk about other than this new case that I got for you. And... What about Trevor? I gotta be honest, I'm a little bit... I mean, yeah, that's why I'm a little bit concerned, because since Falk and Trevor both, uh, well, well, you know, well, since that happened, it's, I've been a little bit hesitant to send you out on, uh, out on cases, but I think I have something that'll, uh, suit you perfectly. You already know about Falk? Yeah, Tom, I, I'm not really, he was like a son to me, and... 
I know he was real close to you as well, and so... Well, I don't know if we were real close, but we'd been partners for a while, and he was a good man. He was one of the easiest people I've come across to work with, and I would have liked to get to know him even better, but I suppose such is the way of this job. I'm surprised, though. I <clears throat> Honestly, I thought you would have wanted me to go into some sort of therapy or something, losing my mates just before sending me on another mission. Um... I don't know. I just thought that was how they do it around here. That's how it always used to be back at the, uh... Well... Tom, are you okay? Do you... Are you okay to go on a mission? I guess I'm just trying to take it all in. I don't know if I could do a mission by myself. I don't know if I'm ready. I, I well, know. that's perfect because we got you a guide. You've already So you wouldn't be exactly going alone. But if you're not well enough, I'm not going to send you out there to, you know, to... Tom, your safety is still a concern here. I have barely even had time to process the loss of my partner and you're already assigning me another one? I don't even know how I feel right now. You, again, Tom, if you don't feel like you should take the case, just some people feel like they should dive back into work if, uh... Well, what do you, what do you think, Tom? It can be up to you. I can get you some administrative leave if you're still having troubles. Where is it? Well, 30 miles outside the control zone, there's a town called Fillmore's Crossing. It's a mining settlement. The control zone. I don't know. I have no idea what the control zone is. What is the control zone? You're dropping all this information on me, like the control zone. <laughs> well, I'm supposed to know what the control zone is. I mean, it's basic Bible history, it's just but that's, like, that's beside the point. So the control zone is this area that's patrolled and monitored by the Imperium just in case of insurgency or anything like that from, uh, you know, the surrounding tribes and peoples. What am I supposed to do there? Well, it's kind of a weird one. So the guy that kind of runs the town, he's the namesake for it. His name is Elmer, Phil Elmer Fillmore. And his wife, about eight days ago, she tore their kids limb from limb, just went crazy for no apparent reason and doesn't remember doing it or at least she claims and there have been a few other incidents out there as well but I don't have as many details on it so I'm just supposed to go out there and find out what's going on no you're gonna meet a guide in Kensington his name is Igmet Yazee he is a half orc though so I want to warn you cause you know what comes with being a half orc <sighs> How much time do I have to think about this? Well, you'd be getting on the airship tomorrow. Ernie Christ. This is a serious case then, I take it. Well, he, uh, he owns the mithril mine that's uh, nearby, and it's where the Imperium gets the majority of its supply, so it's pretty important to everybody around here and all the high-ups and the brass. This one's been sitting on my desk for... I don't know, maybe a few days or something, so I need to get somebody on it, and I feel like you're our guy. Well, I suppose a trip out there might do me good. Maybe give me time to 
to clear my head. That's what I'm hoping to, Tom. Maybe it'll be relaxing. Small town. Quiet wilderness. Hey, Tom. Just be careful out there. I, uh... I just know it's real dangerous. What did you say the name of this half-orc was? Igmut? Imgut. Yeah, Imgut. Imgut. Ingut? Ingut. Well, I'll have to ask him when I get there. Just call him Tuskmouth. I'm sure he'll be cool with it. (laughs) You got it, boss. All right, good luck out there, though, Tom. And remember, you can go and see Calvin if you want to get yourself some, uh, some, you know, R&D stuff. But that's up to you. You're going to issue me some special gear? Well, Calvin might have something laying around for you, but can't hurt to go and ask. Be nice to get something to help me out with my athletics. Something maybe that could help me, I don't know, run faster, jump higher. All right, get the fuck out of my office. <laughs> The town of Two Rivers is idyllic, made up of mostly lumber industry. The rivers are more of mountain streams that happen to intersect and pond near a small Sawyer town. Igmit Yazee is playing cards at a table, about to head towards Kensington to meet up with an agent who is going to investigate some problems near a mining settlement known as Fillmore's Crossing. A gentleman with a funny accent and a rancher named Ansel Adams sit at the table across from Igmet. Pleasantries about cattle are exchanged between Igmet and Mr. Adams before the gentleman with a funny accent and red sash around his waist excuses himself to use the outhouse. There is jaunty piano music playing in the background and Igmet gets a strong feeling like this has happened to him before as if in a dream or something similar, and it leaves a sickening, uneasy feeling in the pit of his stomach. So, Mr. Adams, uh, how many head you got over there in your place? Well, I got, uh, at least 800, give or take, depending. It's a good spread you got there. Well, uh, I got me some contracted work to do, but... Maybe after that's done, I I might come over and uh, see if you need any garden done. Well, I'd like that just fine, Mr. Yazee. Hell, if uh, you come and do some garden, maybe I'll get half my money back because you're so bad at carding. (laughs) I'll pat you on the back. Well, I I ain't feeling myself tonight. Maybe too much of this here whiskey. But, uh... I better get going, uh, and he just is gonna start collecting his stuff from the table, but still sat down. Okay, so you hear the sound of horse hooves outside, and it draws your attention, and after maybe 10-15 seconds, a man with a dark vest and a bowler hat rushes into the tavern, and he's sort of scanning the room, and he's got a pistol that's in a holster that's on either hip, so both the left and the right. And he keeps scanning the room and scanning the room, and then finally he stops, and his eyes narrow at you, Igmet. And he says, You Igmet, Yazi? Yeah? Who's asking? I've been 
tasked to give you something. I work for the Smoldering Foundation, and we've waited a long time to pass this along. And he pulls out a vellum envelope with a red seal. It looks ancient, and he hands it over to you, Ignit, and he says, Now, uh, I was told to tell you, don't worry, you don't have to be able to read. Who the fuck told you I can't read? Um, uh, no, no one, sir. I don't, I'm not trying to be impolite or nothing. Anyway, if you ever find yourself in the city of Rhodes, uh, tell, tell the barkeeper at the Dusty Devil that your vengeance smolders, because, uh... You say the Dusty Devil bartender in the city of Rhodes. Yeah, he'll, he'll know what to do. Uh, good luck, Mr. Igmet. You bet. Igmet's just gonna... He's gonna look at the vellum and uh, see if there are any symbols on it he recognizes. I don't think that any of it looks familiar to you at all, but you can definitely open it up. He's gonna open it and say, Hey, Mr. Adams! And he's gonna unfold the paper. So as soon as you unfold the paper, a voice begins reading inside of your head. Higmet, it's Falk. You were the only person I knew I could really get a message to. Things went real bad, and I'm pretty sure the town isn't going to make it. We fucked up big time. I had to make a deal with it, but it, it wasn't what it may look like. If you see Alivari, tell her I'm sorry, and I'm going to fix all this. I'm not sure precisely when or where I'm coming back to, but until I do, don't go back to Fillmore's Crossing. Igman's just going to shake his head for a minute and stare at the paper again. What tarnation is that? This has been a hell of an adventure for all of us involved. The thing that made it such a truly enjoyable and worthwhile experience was becoming friends with the people in our community. Thank you so much for coming along for the ride. If you aren't yet involved in our weekly games, memes, and antics, jump into our Discord. The link is still in the episode descriptions and at lcpdnd.com, just waiting for you to click on it. This season finale is over, but we have so much more in the works. If you want to support our efforts, because I'll be the first to confess that this is a fuckload of work and it saps pretty much all of my time, but I absolutely love it. So your support is mega, ultra, super huge. 
One of the biggest things you could do would be to head over to patreon.com slash lcpdnd and pledge any amount of money there. That helps me focus more time on the podcast and less on how I'm going to afford groceries each week. But other great ways to support us are to post about us on social media, get us more exposure, and leave us a review on your favorite podcast service. Thanks so much, everybody. There's more and more to come, so be sure to stick around. We'll see you on the next adventure of LCP D&D. Sparks shot out from the broken arcane condenser on Thagonet's gauntlet. The Glabrazoo could feel the intense heat as it malfunctioned, even though it could cause it no harm. It grunted and looked around the vast, empty expanse of blackness around it, holding its human-like hand outward and open. A small screwdriver appeared in its palm. After opening up a few small panels, the blade of the screwdriver retracted and was replaced by a small torch. Small gouts of flame lit up the pocket dimension, and the demon would squint as its eyes would quickly adjust to the light. It knew it would need some time to repair. But when it was ready, Thagoneth, the banished betrayer of Ernie, would come out to play.